Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 before we jump into daniel 3 now let me read to you and you don't need to turn there i'm going to read it to you it's on the screen i believe for you exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 5 it says and god spoke all these words saying i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery. We begin the Ten Commandments now. Here's the first couple. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, those first two commandments are important for God's people as they come out of Egypt. They're delivered out of Egypt. God's got a whole new start for them. And the first things he says is, you shall not have any gods before you. You shall not make any carved images. In other words, there's no idols that you're going to bow down to. Now, understand that in the context of Daniel chapter 3, because you've got three Hebrews that are going to be challenged on this command. You're going to have three Hebrews that proclaim to be God's people, and they took these commandments serious. We, we can't say we believe them, we live them to show that we believe them. And your faith is going to be challenged. No different than the, the Hebrews in chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You are going to be challenged on the commands of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And there's nothing greater than when somebody displays their love for God by living out his word in their lives. And so as we look at chapter 3, we're going to see this situation come to life. We're going to see where they are challenged in their faith, and it's a do-or-die situation, and it is a serious moment, it is a sober moment, it is a severe moment in their lives. And so it all begins in verse 1 when Nebuchadnezzar makes a statue. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He makes a statue, Nebuchadnezzar. Now this is his response to chapter 2. You remember chapter 2, Pastor Chris was preaching last week. Nebuchadnezzar had this dream that kept bothering him. Daniel interprets it. It's a statue, and the statue had a head of gold. And Daniel says, 
to Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold, but then moves on down to the, the chest and says there's a kingdom that's going to rise up after you. And then another kingdom, that was the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He gave a panoramic view of history, God did, in that dream. Kingdoms are going to rise, kingdoms are going to fall. Nebuchadnezzar realizes this, and rather than humbling himself to the sovereignty of God and recognizing that God is the one who puts kings in place, presidents in place and removes presidents and removes kings and whatnot like that, what does he do? He rebels against that and he builds a statue in the plain of Dura. Now, this, some scholars think that this is about 40 miles outside of Babylon. There was a plain that was discovered, and there was a big pedestal that the archaeologists have discovered. So this statue, according to the scriptures here, was 90 feet tall, um, 9 feet wide, and very, very tall and thin. We don't know what the statue was. It could have been of himself. It could have been of something else, but it was a primary, primarily a message saying that my kingdom will last forever. And what does Nebuchadnezzar do after that? He gathers all his administration. He gathers all the government officials to gather around this statue because he's going to make everybody bow down to this statue. A violation of what we just read in Exodus chapter 20. That, that Nebuchadnezzar is going to ask, require, demand, because that's usually the process that goes along with it. And he gathers his officials to begin with. You can read that. He gathers his prefects. He, he gathers his satraps. They were, they were the governors of that day. He gathers the magistrates, which were the judges of that day. If you want to get your agenda accomplished, just get the judges to go along with it. And that's what he's doing. He gathers all of his officials, all the administration, because he knows that they've got to be the the example. They've got to lead in this. The other people will follow as long as the government officials and everybody in leadership are doing it too. And so he gathers them and he says, you are going to bow down to this statue. When the, the music starts up, when the band begins to, to, to play the music, you are going to all bow down to this statue because music has always been an instrument through the ages. It, it kind of removes our inhibitions. It, it lowers our awareness in many ways. It's good if it's used for worship. We begin to sing songs to the Lord, but, but music in the past has always been used as a tool of the devil too. And so you have to listen to the words to the music. You can't just go to the beat of the music, give me the beat, boys, whatever that song was, you know, and so, right? I mean, I'm so glad that I'm 29 years down the road, and the only time I hear those songs anymore in my head is when I'm moving the radio, going through a city looking for a, a Christian radio station, and, and then I happen to get up on one of those, and, and you got to turn it quick because it can conjure up memories, right, of the past. So, so he realizes this. Nebuchadnezzar says music's going to make this thing a whole lot easier. Gets the band, they strike up. But here was the problem. Nebuchadnezzar had a problem because there were three Hebrews that were there. We don't know where Daniel was at the time. Many scholars think he was out on business, but he was not present at this. 
this gathering, this, this dedication, this unveiling of this statue, this ceremony that was going on. We don't know where he was, but he was somewhere because he certainly wouldn't have bowed down to the statue. We saw his commitment and his convictions with the Lord in chapter 1. You're going to see him again in chapter 6 when he's thrown in the lion's den. But the three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are there. They're at the ceremony, and there's one problem. They know Exodus chapter 20. They know that they're not to have any other gods before them. They know that there's not to be any images made that they're to bow down to. And this is where we see their convictions arise. They refuse to do it. And because I believe that the rest of the administration was jealous of the Hebrews, especially after the interpretation of Daniel's dream, they, they were kind of promoted there, that they had these high positions and they had a relationship with God. And whenever you're in a high position and you have a relationship with God, expect the world to come at you. Expect them to attack you for your values for what you believe in that's rooted in Scripture. And that's what happens with Daniel's three friends. Look at verse 8. It's, it says, Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Okay? Now look at verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, Pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Anti-Semitism is not new. They, they single out these Jews because I believe they knew their relationship with God and when everyone was supposed to bow to the music that they were kind of, they were watching with one eye open, probably hoping that they wouldn't bow so that they would get in hot water with Nebuchadnezzar. And that's what was going on right then. Whenever you're a godly person, the Bible says if you live a godly life, then you can expect persecution. And so here they are. They're there, and then they get turned in, and, and they lie about it. They said in that verse um, uh, 12, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. That's a lie. They, they served Nebuchadnezzar. They were put in a position. They served him until it came to violating their conscience and the values that they held to that were rooted in Scripture. And so here they find themselves with a challenge. And so they're turned in. They're hated. Anti-Semitism is alive and well today. And if you're a Christian, you're going to be attacked too. If you are living today as a Christian, living out your faith, then you know as well as I do, you do not embrace the values of the world. You do not embrace what's going on in our culture today and all of the culture wars and everything else. I just read a story, a story about a, a Christian uh, wedding photographer, and the article was entitled, I Won't Allow the State to Force Me to Express Messages that Contradict My Beliefs. That They titled that based on the lawsuit, his primary argument. He says, I'm not going to do this if it violates my beliefs. And so here, here he files a lawsuit against the attorney general, and here's a Christian wedding photographer who now is told, because of an anti-discrimination law that was passed, that he is told that if you do this, you can get fined $50,000, the first offense, and if you continue to do it, you will be um, you will be fined $100,000 for each offense after that. So basically, 
The law presents the photographer with an impossible choice. He can either violate his conscience, do what they say, or he can pay the fines and keep his business open, or he can close his business. Those are the options that he has. And why? Because the state says you have to do it this way. Now, I'm going to throw in a parenthetical statement right now. All of those things that I've read, those cases, whether it was the baker not wanting to participate in a same-sex wedding or whatever, they have never been militant. They've never been antagonistic towards them. They've actually loved them. Most people don't know that when it came to the Christian Baker lawsuit that made it to the Supreme Court, that that Christian Baker served the homosexual couple for years there. They, they served him for years, but when it came to them wanting a wedding, he said, look, I believe that, that the wedding, the marriage is a sacred event, and my beliefs don't allow me to participate in that, and boom, a lawsuit. So what you see going on in chapter three, bow down to the image, is a real deal. Now, Nebuchadnezzar ends his directive at the end of verse 15. Here's how he ends it, because he calls them into the office, and he says, listen to me, if you don't bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I don't know what he said, he says, look, you know, he could have been nice about it first, said, look, you guys are great servants, I need you, you know, you're in the offices, and you're, you're administrating, you're, you're benefiting blessing, but listen, if you don't bow down to this, you're going into the fiery furnace. In other words, it's a do or die situation. And he ends his directive at the end of verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? What a great question. What a great question. Who is the God who is gonna deliver you out of my hands? Now notice what Nebuchadnezzar said there because he didn't say, who is the God who is going to deliver you out of my God's hands? He said, who is the God who's going to deliver you out of my hands? Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar, as people in leadership often do, they get a little bit of power and they think they're God. So then we see the Hebrews' response to all of this, and that is in verses 16 to 18. Read it with me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now, just listen to that. They've already settled in their heart. This thing didn't just sneak up on them. They knew what was going on in Babylon. They knew what it was like to live in a world that was anti-God and opposed to their God and everything else. But we don't even need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That was their answer. Now please take note that they said, even if you don't deliver us, our God, if our God does not deliver us, we will not worship and we will not bow down. You know why? Because their loyalty went beyond skin deep. So many people have a skin-deep loyalty to God that, that when the fiery furnace shows up, they're gone. They're, they're gone. You know, everything's good as long as God is bowing to them and as long as God is meeting their wishes and especially in those 911 prayers, right, we get into a little bit of trouble and we call God. And if it doesn't turn out the way we think it should, we're out of here. 
not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were set because they serve God for who he is, not for what he can do for them. That's what the real deal is. And so now we see they get tossed into the fiery furnace. As you read on, you're going to see where they're, they're tossed in there. Not only that, Nebuchadnezzar heats it up seven times hotter than normal, so much so that the guys that were tossing them in died when they got near the heat. And so they get tossed into this fiery furnace. I want you to imagine yourself in that situation. You're standing there. You're right there at the mouth of the fiery furnace. And all you got to do is say, I'll bow down. <laughs> Especially the guys who are going to toss you in and they're, they're getting close and it's that hot. All you got to do is bow down. Look, all you got to do is go out, bow down. Now, before you think this is disconnected from our culture today and you say, man, Pastor Walt, there 2,500 years ago, I'm not bowing down to statues. When I went out to see the Statue of Liberty, I didn't bow down and I didn't worship that and I don't do that. But you need to understand that a God in your life could even be stuff that is good but became a God. In other words, sex is good when it's in the confines of the way the Lord describes it, but it can become your God when you say, I'm just tossing Exodus 20 out. I'm just tossing God's word out. I go to church. I serve him in 99% of the areas. If, if a car is good, I think so in the valley, especially when we hit August and it's 125 degrees out with humidity, I like to get in a car and turn on the air conditioner. And, and that can be, that's a good thing, but it can be a God. All you got to do is remove one O from that, from good to God, and it can become a God in your life. So what we're seeing in chapter 3, I see people bowing down to not statues, but anything else that's become an idol in their life that has taken preeminence in their heart over God. And I know this to be true because it calls the shots in their lives. It tells them how to spend their money. It tells them how to live in the workforce. It tells them how to live out whatever this thing is. And so I see it all the time with idols. Sports can be an idol. Some of you parents are, are, are like, man, my kids gotta play football 24 seven and there gotta be a practice and then you go traveling and you're everywhere. And so Sunday no longer matters. Church is secondary and all this stuff and you're going all over the place and because you want him to make the pros. I have to hold my tongue here. I'm going to try and say it as nice as possible because you didn't make the pros. You want your kid to make the pros. And that's how it goes. Anything can become an idol. Ask yourself if what I live for on Monday through Saturday, if what I live for, is it really God? Is it really him I'm living for? Do I live for my job? Do I put things on the sacrificial altar other than my own life for God? And you have to ask yourselves constantly that question. And so we get into here, we, we see they're tossed into the, the fiery furnace, but God ain't done with the situation yet. Verses 24 to 25, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished after they're thrown in the fiery furnace and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men 
unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, most scholars will think that that's a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ before the Gospels come into account, before Jesus is born, that in the Old Testament there were certain times that we call a Christophany, that we believe the Lord appeared before his incarnation, and this is one of them that I have to agree with the scholars on. That, that Jesus is in there walking around with them. How, how pleased is God over that situation? I mean, that is amazing. Now, when all is said and done, when all is said and done, chapter 3 ends with uh, Nebuchadnezzar praising God. He's praising God, and he promotes the uh, Hebrew kids, and he even gives a testimony of their faithfulness. So everything ends well in chapter 3. Everything ends well in chapter 3. Now, Here's what I want to do this morning, okay? I realize it's 11 a.m., but I want, to, I want you to understand that there's certain things that were going on there that are true back in Daniel chapter 3 that are true of you and I today, and I want you to mark these down. There's only three of them I'm going to give you this morning, but number one, I want you to understand that our faithfulness to God is proven through trials Our faithfulness to God is proven through trials. Listen to me. How do you know what you've got with God? How do you know where you stand with the Lord? We we can have confidence in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and where they stood with the Lord because their faith was challenged. Their faithfulness to God was very visible. That in facing a life or death situation, they didn't compromise. They didn't give up anything, not one inch. They said, we're gonna remain faithful to God even if he doesn't deliver us out of this fiery furnace. You know, 1 Peter, and I believe that this scripture I'm gonna quote you, I believe that Peter could have been thinking of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in chapter 3 of Daniel when he wrote these words. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He uses that term fiery trial. Now, To test something, you know, gold in ancient times, they tested gold by fire to see if it was real. See how pure it was. They still do the same thing today. Fire is the best way to test to see if the gold is the real deal because it'll separate everything else that isn't gold and it floats to the top and you've got the impurities there. So fiery trial. Now I want you to note two things about what Peter says there. One, he says don't be surprised when you face fiery trials. He says do not be surprised now. He's talking about our faith, friends. And I realize that suffering can be cancer. Suffering can be a, a physical illness, a, the, the loss of a job and everything else. That I don't demean that, and I'm not saying that that has to take a back seat. But what Peter is talking about is your faith and my faith. How we live for Christ, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're living in a pagan world without compromising their stance with God, and the results were the fiery furnace. So one, Peter says, don't be surprised at this stuff. If you're living for the Lord, know that people are gonna come to you and they're going to attack you. When you gotta be worried, especially in today's culture, where you gotta be concerned as if nobody's saying anything about you. 
Because then that's saying you like whatever they like. You do whatever they do, and they like that. But the minute you burn a you and go the other direction, they're going to throw eggs at your car. They're going to throw rocks at your car. He says, don't be surprised. The second thing Peter says there is there's a purpose for those fiery trials to test you. To test you. Because how do you know if the gold's real? We could have opened up the book of, of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they abstained from the king's table. They were able to sell them on the deal, but now they're facing a fiery furnace. Where is your faith, Nebuchadnezzar? What God is going to deliver you? What God is going to deliver you from that? And so we need to understand that these fiery trials that you and I face today, they're going to prove where you're at. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.